Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the Ship X story with my friend Solomon Zakanoff. How's it going, Solomon? Great, Joe. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to ha- talk to you. you. You just had a nice acquisition, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I read about your company, uh, I think it was online on LinkedIn, and I thought, oh, very interesting. So before we go any further, uh, Solomon, please introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. I'm Solomon Zakanoff, the CEO of uh, Ship X. We're an e-commerce delivery solutions provider, and I'm calling from the great city of New York. Very nice, very nice. So what is, when you say e-commerce delivery provider, who are you working with? You're working with e-commerce companies, you're working with retailers. Who do you help and what do you do? Yeah, our main our main client base is, um, you know, retail. And uh, recently with the acquisition, it's uh, we've also done a lot of middle mile work for carriers but uh, the main client base has been really retail and anything anything to do with servicing uh, you know different types of retail outfits whether that's the more traditional brick and mortar you know the digitally native you know the ones that have a kind of a omni-channel presence all across the internet but um, that's the idea so when you say middle mile where's that from from what point to what point yeah it can mean a few things you know but every anything that really originates you know from a from a, a company's own dc so uh, anything that you will either go to a store or inject with in, into one of their an additional logistics partner or parcel network that's kind of a specialization of ours time you know time sensitive freight and so on so the final mile is from let's just say the store or the retailer or the e-commerce company to homes and increasingly to other businesses, right? So we're seeing that more and more. The middle mile is from maybe the store's DC to the actual store, or it could be from a brand to e-commerce DC. You know, in, 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 in our world, what we consider like the first mile is, is anything that originates from somewhere other than the company. So typically from like a vendor, it could be from a vendor or from a manufacturing hub. That's the maker, yeah. Yeah, the maker or the manufacturer or the distributor into the into the DC, and then the middle mile we consider anything that has to do from you know originating from a DC into somewhere, whether that's a store or a carrier or any other. It could be an internal. It could be one DC, you know, maybe a a, a national DC into a regional DC, where then it gets distributed amongst you know specific stores or whatnot. So you're you started off very much in the final mile and this acquisition you just still talk a little bit about that acquisition and what it gives you in terms of the middle mile yeah so you know we we were servicing the final mile mainly and as a lot of people know one of the challenges with the final mile is especially for a new kind of uh, up and comer right is the is the being able to pick up in an efficient manner from from all these different retailers and that being able to kind of you know uh, own your destiny as well right because it's a very time definite it needs to be picked up at a certain time it needs to be done to a certain kind of, you know, efficiency and, and, and consistency, right? So, you know, acquiring Princeton and their subsidiary TriStar um, allows us to have, you know, the economies of scale on the trucking side that we wouldn't have otherwise. So, in other words, it allows us to provide a better pickup experience, more consistent pickup times, and really own our own destiny, right? We can We can manage that in a better way. Additionally, what it gives us is the ability to now also provide middle mile and first mile services for those same retailers that we're working with. Again, because it's our specialty, 
you know, carrier injections that don't even have to do with chip X, uh, you know, is, is, is a major piece as well as, you know, those important uh, time-sensitive store deliveries as well. Are those, is Princeton brokerage or is, is that a carrier? So Princeton is, is uh, Princeton was and is a brokerage. And then they have a subsidiary that we also purchased called TriStar Carriers. That is a carrier. Okay. So you get kind of the asset light, which is not a bad thing to have in this in this model. So so that gives you that kind of middle mile capability. And do you consider that also first mile capability you want it? Correct. Correct. Uh, it's the majority of what we're doing today is is mainly, like I said, originating from a DC, but um, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of- You want the capability. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the ability to do that and, and you know, provide the this, uh, services and visibility that- other companies just can't offer. I think what's interesting, and I, I think it's relatively new to me anyway, I, I never heard somebody say we're first mile, middle mile, or final mile, or last mile, whatever you want to call it, until we started saying final mile a few years ago. We, we started saying final mile, then all of a sudden people said, I don't do final mile, I do the middle mile, or I do the first mile. I, I think there's some value in that because I think people start to say, what capabilities are we best at? Where are we weak? Where, where do we need to partner? Where do we need to acquire? What, where do we need to turn down business, right? That say, hey, that's not what we do. Where, like, and there's, by the way, final mile is probably the most expensive to do. That's why a lot of people partner with the Postal Service because the Postal Service has got it covered. And uh, obviously not overnight, though. <laughs> not, not same right. day, next day. But we're seeing kind of, I'll say, the, the market segment a little bit within transportation logistics. And I think also... I'm not de- delivering the final mile with a semi. <laughs> I'm doing that with sprinters. I'm doing that with cars. I'm doing that with vans and whatever else. And um, so we're seeing some big changes all of a sudden. And, and I, I totally agree. And I think in general, the, the way of the industry is that more and more things are considered parcel, right? And, and the, you know, the stuff that we're buying is becoming bigger, is becoming more specialized. And the idea is, is that you're going to need, you know, unique advantages to those types of, uh, you know, things that UPS has never delivered before or FedEx or definitely not the post office, right, that they don't specialize in. So, you know, that's really the idea is, is you know, you know what, it, what, what can you bring to bear to perform a delivery flawlessly? And I think that the industry, the industry is, is, is starting to catch up and trying to, to maintain that, you know, that need to grow. With, with e-commerce in general and, the, and this insatiable demand. Yep. So let's uh, switch gears for a second. Tell me a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started ShipX. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in Queens, New York. I went to school in Brooklyn, New York. And then I went to university in, in, in the city at Baruch College. What is it called? Baruch? Baruch. CUNY. Yeah, it was, a, it was a city university. What does Baruch even mean? I don't even, I, I've seen that name. It's named after somebody. It's named oh, okay. after. It's named after. Yeah, it's it's named after somebody. But it's actually it's actually a, a, a well known if you're if you're living in New York. No, I definitely a, heard the name. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty well known business school. That's kind of the specialty. I only I only care about the football team and the basketball team. I don't know that they have <laughs> yeah, there. That that wasn't necessarily our specialty. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't really it. But uh, it, it it was a it's really a commuter school commuter school for you know people who live in the city. But you know my my first kind of foray into business was was it was at a very young age. Uh, started working for a a small uh, jewelry company uh, in, in in Manhattan. You know this is like literally at 13 years old, and I was you know doing stuff with e-commerce, posting stuff online. Was this fa- uh, family business or you just? No, it was it, it was just it just was just stuck somebody, your nose in. Yeah, yeah just stuck my <laughs> nose in in general. 
you know, at the time, uh, at the time, you know, that was kind of my first foray. Uh, I was really, really young, and uh, I learned a lot doing that. I learned a lot doing that. As I as I got a little older, I, I was able to, you know, kind of start selling my own stuff on on eBay and Amazon. Did you have any success doing that? I, I did. It was it was it was successful. It was it was successful, and uh, you know. But you that. realized how bad the the logistics were <laughs> well well my my, my foreign logistics was was actually uh thanks to, to my thanks to my brother uh rafi he he at the time also was doing something stuff with e-commerce selling stuff online and he uh, started warehousing stuff for his friend in this small little office space that he had it's also you know a beautiful story like you know american dream story and, you know started started you know uh, we were, started you know just giving giving up some space to his friends because they needed extra space and he saw that that was a um, uh, you know that was you know, there's, there's there was an opportunity to do that more and more and this is this is when those like big, those CMS platforms like Shopify and WooCommerce were becoming popular and uh, at the time my e-commerce business you know was also kind of doing well and, and I started and, and he he wanted he wanted more space so he's like hey come you know come join me at, you know as we kind of launched this so we moved into a ten thousand square foot facility in College Point Queens we named the company Ruby Has Fulfillment and. Um, you know, it's uh, it was it grew that into over a number of years, eight eight or so years, seven years, however long it was, into you know quite the behemoth in, in the e-commerce fulfillment world. Now, you guys had like what eight nine locations around the country. Yeah, before the acquisition, it was acquired by Shipmunk about you know I want to say three months ago. Before the acquisition, we had over a million square feet. You know, eight nine facilities. You know, facilities that are international. You know, national, and it all started out in a small in a small office space in, in Queens. So it was a you know a brilliant a brilliant story, really. In and of itself. Yeah, I, I never interviewed your brother. I wanted to, but uh, I think I, I interviewed Esther uh, Kestenbaum Prozan. She was still at Ruby, and then she when I think she left when it became Shipmunk, and now she's over at uh, Flow Space. I interviewed her at Flow Space. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was a wild success. And again, Ruby Ruby has fulfillment. It's an interesting name. So you immediately go, oh, okay, what is that all about? But uh, obviously uh, this gal Ruby had, or guy, I don't know who it was, but uh, has fulfillment. So everybody needed fulfillment and Ruby had it. Exactly. Yeah, no, the, the name the name is, is kind of, you know, from that, you know, you kind of hit it right on the head, right? Ruby being a um, uh, you know pretty like you know, neutral name for everything it's uh and, and you know ruby ha- ruby has it and you know we basically the idea was we we're going to fulfill everything is that your brother's nickname cuz no no nothing to do with my brother at all it was just a it was just a, a pretty good neutral name and not as i guess simple better as not kind be, of something better that, not be an ex girlfriend cuz he's going to no, live that down <laughs> no 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 <laughs> not that either but it was a it, it kind of you know it, it really you know we really kind of we're able to hit that that climb uh, that peak of you know companies you know being started in their garages in their basements that needed specialized e-commerce fulfillment that that other people weren't offering right and at the time most VPLs were just doing B two B stuff I and mean, that was the basic stuff for a VPL but nobody was doing you know digitally native e-commerce and specializing in it and that's why we were so successful. I talked to so many people who are working in e-commerce delivery or final mile or whatever. And so often the e-commerce guys are the ones who uh, say, I started this company, which could be micro fulfillment, could be warehousing and fulfillment, or it could be final mile. And the reason they started is because they said the hardest part was not selling it online. It was shipping it. And 
maybe in the olden days you could say, I will just wander over to uh, the UPS or FedEx or USPS and I will have it delivered and it'll be there very quickly. Well, that isn't a good option for everybody anymore. Depending what you're moving, USPS is not necessarily quick enough for the same day, next day world that we live in. And then UPS and FedEx, as wildly successful and as good as they are, they don't want to be everything to everybody. That's not how they're going to make their living, right? So, which speaks to, you know, we'll get into your business in just a sec, but it speaks to why we need, needed, and still need e-commerce delivery. And we, before we hit record, Solomon and you and I were talking about, there's some point there's going to be a shakeout because there's all these companies, everybody jumping into this space and we'll have to figure out where they all belong and who doesn't belong on the field anymore. You know, that was a great comment. That was an interesting, an interesting point. And, and I think ultimately it's kind of like, you know, which companies can, can really provide a service. One that's, that, that's, that's good, right? A good service, efficient service uh, on par with what customers are expecting these days, right? For home delivery, but also, you know, you know, whether or not they can occupy maybe a specific niche, you know, whether that's meal kits or whether that's, again, you know, oversized, you know, or, or other, some, maybe some other kind of specialty or other kind of vertical. Right. And, and really own it or, or you know, you know, be a or general delivery company. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, are you really using technology to, to have a make a better experience or are you just, you know, saying you have a technology, right? So I think there are some companies that are doing it really well. And uh, we're seeing, obviously, you know, you know, the, the you know, the, the capital markets as well, you know, respond in kind to, to those companies. And, you know, truly, you know, we become a very sexy industry when five years ago, you couldn't even get a VC to, you know, pick up the phone. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting kind of turn of events. So tell me this, when and why did you start ShipX? What hole did you see in the market? Yeah, you know, ship shipex. Uh, you know, I got the idea for shipex. Uh, I was able uh, to to do some consulting uh, for a a small delivery company that wanted to do parcel delivery, and that was the first time I ever learned about regionals. Back then, even at Ruby Has, we never used regional carriers. You know, Lasership and OnTrack weren't what they are today, uh, and it, it, it was it was interesting to see that there that there are other companies outside of the nationals, and and, and I would always be you know, privy to these negotiations with these nationals. And it was, it was a, you know, binary decision, right? It was either one or the other. And, you know, you're kind of, you were always in your head. They don't really have to negotiate super hard for that business. Right, right. And you would always kind of be hitting your head on the, on the wall is like, you know, these are, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, they, they make you or break you, especially as a 3PL. So, you know, what the idea kind of came to my head is like, there has to be more companies out there like this, right? There has to be more companies out there that can do delivery, but the challenge with these small delivery companies is that, you know, they're, they're te- when they tend to be smaller and they tend to have a harder time working with retailers, right? The technology that's needed, the relationships that's needed, the, the CS support that's needed and other things, obviously, that, that make it, you know, sometimes challenging. For example, they could be, you know, kind of a little remote for any for any kind of mid-sized retailer who doesn't have the volume to send a, a full truck to. So the idea is, is was kind of, you know, creating this network, uh, a unified network of, you know, all these disparate assets across the U.S., Putting them under one platform, one ecosystem, and providing a unified experience, right? ShipX is a unified experience, right? When you print out a label at ShipX, when you call it, when you contact customer support. What do you mean by unified experience? No matter who's delivering the package anywhere in the U.S., it's always going to be ShipX that that is ultimately responsible, right? It's kind of like when you order an Uber, 
you're not concerned about the LLC that owns that Uber, right? You know that when you have a complaint, you're going to go to Uber to complain. Got it. There's one throat to choke, and it's exactly. yours. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and you know what? That that's the whole that's the whole beauty of it, though, right? Is the fact that we can provide that experience, uh, and it's it's a it's 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 kind of what the what the retailers need, right? Is that kind of one point of contact, and the ability to to do it in a in a very efficient manner. So what year did you start? We started early, early twenty early twenty twenty one. Really, Good time to start, or maybe maybe even I would say we, we definitely incorporated early early twenty twenty one. But we started you know the idea and, and building out some of the tech you know well before that you know, probably later in twenty twenty. So do you consider yourself a tech first company or more of a delivery first or is it kind of it has to be both? So, you know, we say we're a tech-enabled delivery solutions company, but it's definitely technology first. It's the technology that allows us to create, you know, these delivery, the delivery experiences that matter. It's the technology that allows us to, you know, unify this entire network, create that, you know, like I said, that one solution the, that our customers are looking for. So I would definitely say we're technology first. As a matter of fact, we're probably, you know, for, for besides some assets, we're pretty much all technology. Yep. So what... What, who, what kind of companies are you working with? Our customers are, are predominantly retailers, also 3PLs. Anybody who ships a package is typically our customers, right? Anybody who ships any kind of package, anybody who needs any kind of really delivery solutions. Again, our specialty is that, uh, that e-commerce middle mile or those you know more time-sensitive deliveries to store. It, it, it's, it's been a, um, for the final mile in particular, uh, you know, both retail and 3PL are still looking for new solutions, alternate solutions. And we, we really strive to be that best best possible alternate So provider. when you say retailer, you mean e-commerce retailer or brick and mortar retailer or is it both? It could be, you know, anybody, like I said, who ships a package. So it could be, uh, you know, companies that are more traditionally brick and mortar or it can be companies that are more traditionally e-commerce, right? So or it could be a mix of both companies that have a really good omni-channel presence. So let me understand. So let's just say I'm selling, let's just say I'm a, a, a local hardware store. Well, the hardware store is wrong way. So let's just say I'm a auto parts and I'm selling directly to consumers. You come pick up at my location at my store or do you pick up at my DC? How is this working? So in, in that in that example, we, we probably wouldn't work with you because you're just a small, you know, smaller uh, hardware store. Well, let's just say I've got, a, I've got 20 locations. Yeah. So if, again, if you have enough volume, uh, we typically pick up from a DC. That's kind of the origination point. We don't see any, we can pick up from store too, but there has to be the volume to justify the pickup, right? Right. So you're not like a DoorDash where you're going to pick up one thing and take it to one Correct. location. Yeah. You want to pick up and say, hey, we, we, we picked up at that auto parts store, took it to our DC and distributed it across a hundred zip codes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, we specialize in, in dock to door residential deliveries, right? So we pick it from a DC, wherever that may be, and we take it to our sortation center. From there, we would sort and segment, you know, all across the region or the US, depending on, you know, what our retailers want. And uh, we execute those deliveries from there. So where's uh, location wise, where do you guys specialize? So right now we, we have locations in uh, the Chicago area, New Jersey and Los Angeles. And we are hoping to open up Atlanta and, and Dallas soon as well. So you guys hit the ground running there. So you're not much older than a year old. Now, do you have some investor money or venture capital? Where where did all this funding come from? Yeah, we've we've been we've been lucky enough to have you know investors who believe in us and believe in the product, believe in what we're building. And you know, on top of that, you know, it's we've been we've been able to generate revenue, uh, you know, from from customers that want to use our services, and that's allowed us to you know to scale with them. You know, the whole idea behind ShipX is a scalability, right? Is is, is that ability that 
you're not tied into one particular one particular provider or solution or software yep. allows us to, to, to really uh, go up and down across all these different providers that we have in our in our network right and, and as we call it the vetted our vetted delivery network and it allows us to seamlessly scale our pricing is also very simplified so it's you know it's it's one simplified rate rate structure across multiple zones again it could be regional it could be national depending on the retailer need and it's you know just that pretty much in a fuel surcharge so you know companies really like that uh, they really like the simplicity our bread and butter right now is is one to fifteen. Really, that's kind of the main. You know, and, and you can imagine that still the majority. One to fifteen what pounds? You know, and, and you can imagine the majority of e-com right still being that smaller apparel and and, and cosmetics stuff. But you know, we, we we are coming out with solutions for the for the oversized stuff as well. Uh, that especially with the acquisition of Princeton will allow us to you know to to be able to put into the market a lot faster. Yep. So before we hit record, we were talking about a podcast I did a few weeks ago with uh, Nate Skyver, and Nate put together a list. Well, I asked him. I said when we were we were going to talk about e-commerce delivery providers, and I said to Nate, I said I don't know how we can even talk about it with it being so diverse in its service offerings. And so I want to, I've said this before on my podcast, I'll say it again, and I want to get your two cents on where you guys fit and where you see kind of some of the market going. But in the olden days, not so long ago, when we talked about delivering a parcel, it was UPS or FedEx. And we'll call those the, Nate actually calls them the national integrated carriers. Everybody knows those guys. But they aren't going to serve everything and they aren't necessarily for everybody and nor do they have to be, Right. The next thing is uh, the next we'll call the regional carriers, very similar to UPS and FedEx, except they're not regional or they're not national, right? They're, that would be a Lasership, OnTrack, Lone Star, Overnight, many, many more. I think Speedy's in there. There's a whole bunch of those companies. Then we have the postal service, so USPS. And then there's companies that partner with USPS, which is like Pitney Bowes and DHL e-commerce. They have their own sortation centers, but they let the postal service do the final mile because they can cover it. I think it's also so a lot of times they'll be doing that postal injection, right, where they deliver to a zip code and say, you guys take it from here because the final mile is the hard part. Right. Then there's e-commerce carriers that would be like Pandion. We've heard about X Delivery, Airterra, which I think just got bought by uh American Eagle Outfitters, VHO, the Front Door Collective. And then there's a whole bunch of those gig economy type things, which is DoorDash, Instacart, Roadie, Shipped, Walmart, Go Local. And then we have the mighty Amazon. They get their own category. <laughs> And uh, and and I guess we'll give Shipex their own category, right? So, yeah. so where do you guys kind of fit? You're not obviously not UPS and FedEx. You're not using postal service. So, are you consider yourself kind of becoming that regional carrier, or are you kind of more in the e-commerce carriers like the Pandionics to delivery? Some of those have assets, though. Yeah, I, I think I think we're, we're probably more in line with the e-commerce e-commerce carriers. Um, Yep. We don't we don't use the post office at all. Uh, everything is, like I said, through our own through our own network. And um, I think that's probably yeah. I would say probably closer to the e-commerce carriers. We have you know unique capabilities, especially now with with with, with the acquisition that that you know give us I guess some uh, additional services that some of those guys don't provide. But other than that, yeah, I think it's it's more in line with, with what they do. By the way, I think we're going to see, and we 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 kind of touched on this earlier we're going to see some sort of shakeout of this we've had all of this 
money injected in the space. And I think we've seen it in the last month or so as the, <laughs> we were talking about how our 401ks became 301ks. <laughs> and the venture capitalists and the private equity guys and all those investors are seeing some of the same things, maybe some inflation in the economy, maybe some challenges re- resulting from global activities that are scary. So we're starting to see some tech companies, some logistics tech companies and some of those players get a little bit uh, of pressure to start making some money, start showing some uh, progress. And by the way, Uber, Lyft, those companies that were kind of subsidizing us for a while, you get that $10 Lyft, you go, hey, why would I ever drive again, right? Well, rates are creeping up over there. I think we see it with, and I said it to you before we hit record, you do DoorDash because you're like, oh, it costs five, five, seven dollars to get my food delivered. You'll do that. But if their price goes to 10 or 15, you go, yeah, maybe I get in my car and go. Hard to justify this. And I, so I think we're going to see reality come more into the, the pricing model. And you either can stand on your own and be successful because at some point the VCs won't be there to back up this whole industry. They're going to want, they want results. They want profits, right? Yeah. And I think, I think one of the, uh, you know, for us, at least one of the cool things is, is that I do come from the logistics space in the sense that I come from the space Ruby has, right? Where we really didn't have, we didn't have really any VC backing at all, you know, until the acquisition. And, uh, you know, we were, it was very important to make money. So I do agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, logistics companies have to really think about that as like, are they making money or not? And if they're not, they yeah. got to start making money quick because, you know, in general, like you said, you know, the 301ks are going to, they're going to hurt everybody's pockets. <laughs> right, right. And um, we need to be able to adapt to those changing markets. Well, you know, some of these names I mentioned, Amazon Logistics, is they, they, they have a, some deep pockets, right? We see Walmart's got this new go local. Those guys, those are obviously wildly successful companies that can they go the long haul. Other companies are going to have to prove out their business model. And I think this is, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is a good thing that we have all these new options and we will see what works, but they aren't all going to be here. And so when Nate Nate and I kind of said, here's these six buckets, it was kind of almost difficult because somebody could say, it's not six buckets, it's 12, right? It's not that easy to figure out what's going on. All we know is we want more and more stuff delivered from uh, online. Also, we think more and more stuff's going to be delivered from retail locations. Somebody's got to figure all this out, and that's that's been a challenge. I, I think I think the key though is is that the, you know more options is good in the market, and I think uh, ultimately you know customers won't forget the way FedEx and UPS have, have treated them over the last number of years, right? Uh, they won't forget you know the poor service quality, and eventually. You know, these companies are going to take more and more market share. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. If, if anything, it makes the nationals really stand up and say, hey, we got to really start executing, make sure we're doing a great job or we're going to lose business, right? Yeah. And so many companies came under really heavy stress during COVID where you said, hey, there's just, we've, we've got the same uh, absenteeism and challenges that the rest of the world has. And we're trying to still maintain. The Postal Service had that struggle. UPS and FedEx had that struggle. Many of these other companies we talked about. But it's, 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 it's getting interesting because I think going back, I'm an automotive guy originally. You go back to the uh, early 1900s, late 1800s, you would see hundreds of automotive companies in the U.S. And somehow, some way, we whittled it down to three or four, right? And and that then you have to start competing with the globals. So anyway, 
you guys have made some acquisitions. What's um, let's talk a little bit about you know you guys been in business for a short time here, but you've made some enormous progress. So, what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? You know, it's it's a uh, it's it's one of those things where you know when you have a good team around you, it makes things a lot easier. And I think that the, the ultimately it's uh, you know we've been blessed to have people around that are you know very experienced uh, both in logistics and in tech been able to build some really good technology uh, and uh, has been able to, as well as kind of help mentor, right, this, you know, the young outfit that we have for now so far, right, and, uh, you know, push us in the right direction. I think ultimately it's just going to be, it, it, it comes down to, you know, having a vision and just executing it and, um, you know, making, just just keep, keep on pushing. There's a lot of uh, ups and downs, a lot of hills to climb, and we intend to keep on climbing. Yep. So do you have partners? We, we, um, we, I mean, I have, I guess you could say, you know, everybody's a partner at the company as far as specifically like a co-founder, not necessarily a co-founder, but we have, you know, like I said, investors that, that really believe in the vision that have helped kind of guide us and also, you know, help, help financially support, right. The scale, the growth that we, that we want to be on and, and the trajectory that we want to get to. Very nice. Very nice. So you mentioned the technology. So describe your technology. How does that work? And is it like, is that on the phone? It's not on. It's not on the phone necessarily. It's uh, it's it's mainly a, a, you know specialized systems that allow us to to have all this connectivity, and at the same time, on a customer facing level, also have the, the visibility as well, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with you know customer facing dashboards that provide a customer kind of that bird's eye view of where all this pa- the older packages are, and at the same time, uh, downstream have the connectivity right with all of these different disparate assets across the U.S. to provide one unified solution, right? So. One label, one API call, it's one integration with us. And that's kind of the main, the, the, the central parts of the technology. We, we, you know, we are constantly evolving that, that tech, right? Now we're adding, you know, the middle mile portion of it as well as middle mile visibility uh, and first mile visibility all again under the same dashboard, which is really unique. You know, nobody has that mix of connectivity, visibility and execution that we, that we have. And, you know, we intend on kind of continuing to build on that, right? Putting out ideas into the market that that are new and unique and, and that kind of play around the same ideas of, of efficiency, you know, being able to provide a better customer experience, being able to provide better time definite delivery capability, and uh, it, it, as well as handle different commodity types that, you know, a traditional carrier probably wouldn't be able to. So that's kind of the idea. Yeah, it's, it, it is so interesting because you have companies that have been wildly successful with over their tr- trucking. LTL carriers, wonderfully successful. We always had these, um, I guess we had home delivery. We had kind of this, we didn't call it this, but there was this gig economy. But it was never kind of harnessed. They were never connected by a tech platforms. And that seems like what's happening now is saying, okay, the gig economy on its own has some value. It has some setbacks too. It's how do I ensure that I get that constant customer experience that we expect to deliver if I have an ever-changing cast, right? But I think we're starting to see companies like yours that say, we will leverage those guys and they will play to our, they will use the process we have and we'll ensure that the customer gets that experience and that delivery time that they expect without any sort of unpredictable. Because, you know, again, people get do the gig economy, and I think it's a fantastic development because somebody say, yeah, I've stayed at home with my kids. I'm there for football practice. I'm there to pick them up after school, whatever I, whatever I want to do, and I still have a chance to make a few bucks. I think it's a fantastic deal. But let's face it, they want to work on their schedule. I think we've learned with like Lyft and Uber in California, as soon as you tell them, 
you're not a gig economy worker, they're like, I'm out. Because if I'm not a gig economy worker, somebody's going to give me a schedule. I didn't want a schedule. I wanted to work to my schedule. So we're, we're seeing, I think, the beginning of some a great partnership between, say, the tech players and the gig economy. Yeah, and I think I think ultimately it's 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 been it's been beautiful, like you said, kind of. You know, a lot of people that have been, that have become their own bosses, I guess, right, and, and have been able to own their own their own schedule. And on top of that, they can work. You know, they don't like working for Uber. They can go work for DoorDash, or, or you know, they don't want to drive passengers. They can deliver packages. So I think uh, it, it's it's the, the but the idea is it's also like you know how do you make sure these they're getting compensated right? You know, how do you make sure that it's a it's a, a long term winnable solution, right? You're not just you know, always bleeding and you're not paying people bupkis and so that they can, you know, make, make a livable wage and they can, for example, like, you know, as you know, gas is, is ridiculous now. How do you, how oh, do yeah. you, you know, you got to make sure you, you, you appropriately compensate for that too. So, you know, these are all like ideas that definitely keep us up at night, you know, making sure that, um, you know, that, that, that whole piece of the, that whole piece of the supply chain is, you know, be, be, clicking. be is clicking and, and working properly. Right. Yep. So I want to I want to ask you a question here. Three questions. You to answer in any order you want. So, what's next for you? What's next for ShipX? And what's next for this e-commerce delivery? The industry that you guys participate in. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I guess I guess for me it's to continue you know to build a to build an amazing company and and, and you know with the people that we you know have so far signed up I think we're we're really on the right track to do that right so just continue to provide that vision uh, and um, you know put put the right people in the right places to be able to execute that vision as far as as far as the company for us right now you know we're really in a growth stage right so we're continuing to bring on new accounts continuing to bring on new customers in a very methodical manner though right you know we're not looking to scale to a point where we can't provide an excellent service. At the end of the day, we are also a services company, right? So we have to make sure the services are on point at all given times. And that's the number one thing, right? You know, when you execute in logistics, you are dealing with stuff that has a time frame to it, right? Customers are expecting something. So in our technology allows us to do that, right, in the most efficient manner. So it's that. And it's also, you know, doing things in the industry that, you know, from us like, you know, things like, like sustainability, right? And, and um, the other cool announcements that we're going to be making really soon, that allow us to, uh, you know, really have a leg up on the competition, I think, and, and uh, put out a product that I think a lot of retailers can can be happy with, can add to their portfolio, right? Ultimately, ShipX will be, will, 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 you know, the way we, the way I see it with the industry is that, you know, the the idea or I think the history of using one in, in one particular carrier and that's it, you know, putting all your eggs in that one basket is no more. And there is this, you know, this idea now is, is, you know, more is more, right? You do want to have options. You do want to have the ability to have diversification in your carrier portfolio. And that's across the board, right? So we, you know, I see that that continuing to grow that trend. I see that that's not going away anywhere. Even if, let's say, the economy is slowing down a bit here, perhaps the amount of purchases, right? Discretionary spending probably will be going down, but, you know, the idea, uh, you know, of 10 years ago where you had every single retailer really in the top 500, you know, 90% of them using one, either UPS or FedEx, it's just not going to happen anymore, especially with OnTrack, especially with LaserShip's acquisition, especially with all the great options out there, right, that you can provide a, a stellar experience with. So I think that's really where the industry is heading. And, and I hope it does head that way because, uh, you know, as we've seen, right, innovation innovation is is amazing regardless of industry. So. Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting because we're seeing so many different business models just pop up. And 
you know, we, you know, and I know, it's just like it kind of reminds me of when we we're young, younger, <laughs> when you got like that little CD from Earthlink and one from AOL and one, you know, it seems like a million years ago. And you said, oh, okay, I can use um, MSN or whatever these to, to access the internet. And it seemed very high tech until you talk about it 20 years later and you go, oh boy, that was so low tech. What were we thinking, right? Right. So to your point, that innovation continues. And so what for a long time when you said small parcel, you said that is UPS or FedEx. Sometimes I guess we had overnight in there or DHL, but it's it's changing. So one last thing I want to clarify. So when you open new locations, for every new location, do you open a sortation center? That's the idea, right? So we, we do have sortation centers. We're, we're, we're you know we're continuing to expand them um, because it, so that's kind of that's your model is your will you will have those sortation centers and again that's that's also what DHL is doing. DHL used to be like that FedEx and UPS here. They still participate in that in e-commerce delivery, but they have sortation centers. They correct. don't invest yeah. in the final mile. And again, I think this is the, the one of the challenges is. USPS does final mile. And I, from what I understand, somebody said this to me not so long ago, it's 41% of the cost of e-commerce. So eats up a big chunk. It's hard to have that coverage. One other thing while we're talking about it, Amazon recently partnered with a whole bunch of rural mom-pa stores. And the reason they did is because they want those people to get involved with deliveries. So UPS, I mean, I should say Amazon, when they go to upstate New York or upstate northern Michigan, you don't have the population density to say, I'm going to open up locations. But if you can partner with mom and pop there and they can make some extra money and you can get that same reach. So it just tells you we have another player, and that's Amazon, who says, even without USPS, we can deliver anywhere. We didn't have this not so long ago, and I think we're going to very soon see Amazon's going to say we go anywhere the anywhere USPS goes, we will go. And I don't think they're the last one playing that game. And I, I got, I mean, look, Amazon has has really changed the the logistics landscape in general, right? Everything that they do. Yeah. So you know, we we closely watch we we closely watch and see kind of you know the new innovation that comes to market. Oh yeah, they watch you too. They, I, I know uh, Jeff Bezos watching you. Yeah, so so it's a it's a it's kind of a, a mutual respect, you know, that I think every logistics <laughs> company has to have with Amazon. You know, that they, these guys are really big and they can do a lot of things. And and, and honestly, it's 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 great. It, like I said, it breeds innovation. You know, I welcome I welcome all companies that 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 innovate and come out with cool things for sure. Well, the, the one thing they've done is they have raised the bar. They have sh- shown us the way. But as we you mentioned, innovation, and we've seen the cycle many times. Uh, just because they led the way doesn't mean they'll be leading the industry in 10 years. And I think it's somebody, you know, there'll be more than one leader, but I think it's this evolution. And again, we're seeing so many players in this with so many different business models. Some some seem cockamamie. And, and I suspect one of the leaders is going to pop up in a year or two and come out of nowhere. And it could be shipbacks, X, right? There's going to be some falling out here because everybody who's in the space isn't going to be there in 20 years. Anyway, enough of my blather. Before we go, tell us uh, who's your sweet spot. Who are you working with, and what do you do for them? Yeah, so I think you know, really any any anybody who's who's shipping volume, we typically work with you know customers 
doing at least 500 to 1,000 packages a day that we can service, right? So they typically you know, do a lot more than that overall, right? And How many was that? 500 to 1,000 packages a day. But you know, typically they do a lot more than that you know, across their entire carrier portfolio. So you know, it's, it's usually any kind of you know, mid-sized, you know, mid-sized retailers is usually a really good fit. Even the larger retailers, it's, it, it, we, we can, yeah, our network is built for scale. So we have customers doing you know, hundreds of packages and we have customers doing thousands. And that's the whole idea, right, is, is you know, our, our, our services can, can, can kind of solve, both, solve for both of those types of companies. So it's, it's also 3PL is another you know, big category for us. Obviously, they're major typically major e-commerce you know, shippers. And the- and they need to partner with you. Some of them don't have that final mile capability and don't have any desire to develop it, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, they, they, they are probably most, as far as kind of looking into alternate solutions, they, they, you know, the 3PL space has definitely helped breed that idea of like, you know, there's more than just the two carriers out there. So we've, we work closely with, with those types of 3PLs, the e-commerce ones, as well as, like I said, those retailers. And normally it's the mid-size, mid-size ones, 100 million plus, half a billion plus, mainly are, are, are the ones we're working with. Uh, but it, it could be, it could really be any company across the gamut, you know, and we're, and, we're, and we're seeing a lot of companies right now, especially that we're onboarding coming into Q4, right? That they want those, they want solutions that are not the nationals because they, they, they don't, they don't want to repeat of every single holiday season. You know, I think everybody's gotten really, you know, privy to that is, is that you know, the nationals just, you know, tend to, tend to, tend to drop the ball a little bit. During those time, those times of year, right? Yeah, and for, and part of the reason they, I suspect, they dropped the ball isn't because they got horrible. It's because last Christmas season, last few Christmas, we had an explosion of demand, and our our all of our capacity to deliver was a little less. So, you know, but I do think it's healthy and good that there's competition for FedEx and UPS. I think over over time they've been sensational companies. I don't want to judge them on just Christmas because or just the holiday. No, I think FedEx and UPS are excellent, absolutely. Yeah, but I don't I don't think it's healthy to have two options. And by the way, there's they're also recognizing not everything is for us. You know, we will do some of this and some of that just as Amazon's realizing not every customer is for us. Uh, they'll ship to anybody, but they don't want to necessarily be your fulfillment. So we're seeing these guys, Amazon, UPS, FedEx, they've raised the bar. They've shown us how it's done. But I think for them to be successful, they're going to have to uh, step out of certain spaces that don't make sense for them. So leaves lots of room for f- companies like you, uh, your company, ShipX. That's the idea. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and congratulations on the recent acquisition and all this fast growth you guys are experiencing. I appreciate it, Joe. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much, Solomon. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.